welcome to the Mind Talks podcast. You are with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. Today is a bonus episode. Our special guest is a football and tennis enthusiast. This is really going to be a conversation, a discussion, no holds barred. And yeah, we'll just see where this conversation takes us. So warm, warm welcome to our guest, Rachel. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? Not too bad. Doing well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Um, I think just happy, just happy. Things are improving, you know, in the world and things are beginning to open up. So, yeah, it's just good to return to the gym and kind of get into some form of a routine. So, yeah, I'm definitely happy about that. Yeah, oh, yeah, good. yeah. So let's start off with <clears throat> Naomi Osaka. Yeah. So we're going to go straight into it. So it started off, I guess the timeline was that Naomi was saying that she didn't want to do any um, press conferences, citing mental health. Then the authorities um, behind Roland Garros decided that that was unacceptable and therefore they threatened that she could get expelled. Then Naomi decided to withdraw from, you know, the French Open. Um, There's been a lot of thoughts and comments about it. So I guess our special guest, Rachel, um, what is your take on um, the withdrawal of Naomi? Well, the thing for me, I, it's very difficult in the sense of if I put myself in her shoes, you know, um, you know, as we all know, that the media can be quite callous in their stance on things. And I suppose as a tennis fan and someone who watches that, I don't actually get to see, I suppose, the intensity of how people train and what your mindset needs to be like. And I feel like, you know, we see her on the court, expect her to carry out a certain performance. But ultimately, she's obviously must be challenged, you know, have, going through a lot of challenges mentally for her to be affected. Um, I don't feel like the media or the organisation should be so harsh in the sense of her wanting to t- take a step back. I feel that your mental health is important. and for them to actually put so much pressure on her, I just felt was unfair. It's totally unfair. It's totally unfair. It's, um, mental health is the most, the most important thing for all of us. And it's, mm. I, I think, I feel like something needs to change in the way things are done that in terms of the interviewing process. It, it, the old school traditional yeah. interviewing process isn't, can be changed. I don't think that we have to stick to that way. Uh, it's been the same process for years, and things have changed, and yeah, they, ha- they can changes could be made definitely. Yeah, I think with regards to Naomi, so <laughs> I mean, I don't really want to um, be too controversial, but I just find it really funny because you get people in the media that say that you know she's a millionaire she's a professional she's a role model so she's being compensated so therefore she should be able to to, to you know to handle the burden but i just think that that mm. is just complete rubbish because if we really just unpack 
all of this. It's just a human. We're dealing with a human being and really we're forgetting about, you know, just the the humane level of things. So if she is finding it a bit difficult and, um, you know, she does need a little bit of a reset, then surely they should have been a little bit more accommodating. So I was a little bit perplexed as to the response to it. Um, I am happy that she is getting a lot of support but I think the opposition I find it just a little bit surprising um and the use of the fact that she is being so well compensated um I just don't know if or I don't feel that that is justified that she should be able to just go out there knowing she doesn't she's not feeling herself yeah and also as well, I mean, you can imagine she's not feeling herself. So she's not going to be on her best form. And at the end of the day, what is the point of you training all this time? If you know fully well that you're not wholeheartedly mentally ready for this, why, why do it? Why take that risk? And, and you're causing more harm to yourself. 100%. It's a, it's a, um, it's a topic that will be discussed about a lot. Um, and yeah, yeah. it's... I think when it comes to mental health with sports stars and just people in, in, in general who are famous, people who don't understand it just assume that if they're making a lot of money, that everything is okay. And it's not just that. <laughs> it's a lot more yeah. complex than that. So it comes when you hear the people talk like that, saying, oh, because they're making a lot of money, it's, it comes from a place where they haven't actually analysed it properly to understand that anyone can deal with it from mental health issues. Yeah, exactly. I think it was easier before in a sense that you just had your traditional medium. So you had newspapers, you had TVs. And with that, it's, it, was, it's, it was a lot easier for you to switch off. But if you look at the average sports star now, yes, they may be able to switch off their social media, but um, every family member, every person that they know or that's within their circle may be on social media and if for example you know let's not bring names let's just say i don't know a sports star was being ridiculed for a performance what about if that um, sports star's i don't know friend or sister saw it and then this they, they're actually you know um, relaying back that information to that sports star and over a period of time that is going to take its toll you know, and, and, you know, mm. you, you, you do, I do find it a little bit, um, I, no, I, I empathize with, with sports stars right now because this generation is the most difficult information is written about you instantly. You know, you can make one mistake and then bang five minutes you're online. And I don't think people really understand yeah. the impact that that's having, even with the good sports stars. You know, it's always that I can't, I can't, I have to be straight and narrow all the time. If I make one mistake, my career could be over or something detrimental um, can happen. So I just think like we have to be, you know, we, we, we have to hold a society a lot more empathy than what we are currently. It's just, it's just not on. No, I agree. I feel like that that's the added pressure and, you know, you go to, you sit on these platforms where you have all the journalists asking you questions. You don't even know what sort of questions that they're going to ask you that could technically put you in deep, you know, hot water. 
and yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's, it's it's definitely a lot. Money can't, you know, just send you, you know, just make you feel better in any way, shape, or form. It's like you said, they're human. They're human beings, and I just feel like, you know, they're not look. They're not looked at that. They're looked as robots, performing robots. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that's probably why some people just give robotic answers. They give a yeah. general answer to everything because, like, if you open up, you can literally either put yourself in a position or put your club or put whatever in in a position. And it's it's just it's just there's two there's a lot more avenues to, for someone to make a mistake than there was back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Look, I think I think the media have a a part to play. I think if you are a good journalist, you will be able to extract. Um, a wonderful answer from an athlete. You know, you don't, you don't need to have an ulterior motive. You don't need to be looking for, you know, the next click. You don't need to be looking for anything remotely close to being controversial. It's just like being a teacher, isn't it? If you, if you ask enough wise at the right time, you will get a great answer from a student and it's the same thing with journalists and I feel like it's I think it's I think I I can be I think it's safe to say that there are some journalists that have become lazy and um they are they've forgotten the 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 true essence of what journalism is and that that probably started really in in the nineties, in the nineties, it became about trying to like get this story, get this story. And because a lot of that type of journalism has been killed, you now have a lot of journalists that just don't even know how to answer questions. Sometimes I'm watching some press conferences and I'm just baffled by some of the questions that are getting yeah. asked. But it's also as well, the type of questions to try and get a reaction, to be the first one to actually yeah. get that reaction, you know? And it's just, yeah, yeah it's not nice. So I do, I do feel sorry for her. So and I hope that she is getting the support that she needs, for the mental support anyway. Um, and then she comes back biting and proves them that she needed this and it was important for her to, and also ra- raise awareness. Because can you can imagine how many other tennis stars or athletes are going through this and don't have any sort of support? And in fear of watching her and seeing exactly what sort of backlash she's been getting. Exactly. She's not the first and she won't be the last. Yeah. Um, but she's been she's one of the first that's been quite open about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's quite revolutionary. And I think it will definitely be seen as, you know, almost, um, you know, uh, an important moment in history when it comes to kind of sporting moments in terms of you know uh, mental health and mindset and being a little bit more transparent with with the world so yeah I'm completely in support and although the opposition have some points I think they need to just think on a humane level and let's just get Osaka to be in um the best um yeah, mm-hmm. just yeah, bringing back her best tennis, to be honest. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, we don't want to drag it on. So, next topic. Edwin, what do you want, football, um, or we continue on with tennis? Football. So, the Euros, the Euros, the Euros, Euros. Euros. Finally, one year later, <laughs> we have the Euros. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. For real, for real, for real. So, um, what? Who's everyone's favourite? Uh, I think for me, France. Yeah. Um, probably followed by Portugal, just because Ronaldo. <laughs> I would say, I'd say my first would be France. Wouldn't say Portugal. Um. I mean, I haven't really checked out the Holland squad to see what's going on, but I've always followed them anyway through that. Um, England is just, I will watch it because it's just England, but there isn't any sort of, uh, (laughs) any, I don't have, unfortunately, I, I, I always have tried to have hope, but I mean, you saw one of my guys is out. When I say my guys, I support Liverpool, so I've got referring to Trent, but yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, that's my kind of take on that. Yeah, I think France are my favourites as well. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think Mbappe's gonna shine. Um, I think it's definitely his time. So I think it's gonna be his his tournament. Um, in terms of outside bets, Spain's golden generation, they've either retired or they're, I guess, in their post-post phase. So they're definitely not at their peak. But I don't know, something tells me Spain can do it. Um, Germany are just efficient. That's just what we know of the Germans. I think they're another outside bet. Portugal, not really. Um, but I do... I do agree to an extent because of the Ronaldo factor. I think if you've got Ronaldo in your team, whether he's 19, 25 or 35, I think he definitely adds um, experience and I guess, yeah, just that bit of magic. So I think <laughs> Germany and Spain. I think, I think my second favourites. Joint second favourites. Portugal are the defending champions, and they've got a much better team now than they did when they won it. So, like, I don't. I still think France are going to win. Um, but yeah, it, it it could be more open than we think. Yeah, I mean, look, Bruno Fernandes has had honestly, he has been a magician at United. He has been absolutely fantastic. He's been scoring penalties. He's been scoring bangers. He's been assisting. He's he is the he's the, the you know the main guy there. And I think yeah, I think this is his time as well. I think you know Ronaldo hasn't got the legs that he once had, and I think this is his time. So yeah, I think if Bruno continues the form that he has been showing at United, yeah, they definitely have a good chance, especially with you know um, that the magic from Ronaldo. So yeah. I get it. I was going to say, what's your thoughts? But what about, about England? England? Come on, um, man. Oh. I don't know about that defence. I mean, I'm not too sure about what's happened. What, has he replaced? Has he replaced? Is he going to replace Trent? I mean. He, he has. He repl- he's replaced him with Ben White. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, Ben White is. I rate Ben White. I think he's actually quite good. Um, but I just, I just think there's teams who have a better back line than England and we've England have a, a collection of gifted players um, I just don't know if this is the tournament for them yeah interesting so I I I think that England have the potential to win it 
if they had a different manager and probably had a different um, setup. I think Southgate is a good manager and I wouldn't take anything away from him. But for me, um, I'm looking at the the fluidity of Kane, Sterling, Sancho, Grealish, and I, I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen how he has, or their whole setup, have got them working and being fluid. And that's why I think that they are they are not going to win it. And that's why I think they if they maybe had somebody who was a little bit more creative in getting those players to play a little bit better together and be a little bit more fluid, then I think they would have an excellent chance. I think England, because they're not so great at the back, they would potentially have to um, adopt the 1970 <laughs> Brazil style or even <laughs> or even 2002 <laughs> just all that attack because they have got yeah. so many goals in them you've got Kane you know absolute prolific scorer and then you've got you've got Grealish who Edwin just absolutely loves you've got Sancho who's my type of player yeah. And Sterling, and I don't care about Sterling. I don't care about Sterling's put off, you know, off season. Sterling is still, you know, a quality, quality player. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, they've they've got some quality players. I, I get your point. What you say about Southgate? He, I think he's done a lot in terms of the social side and the and how the players treat each other. I think he's done a lot in terms of that helping because. Um, I think that was it. The, from hearing stories from the past, um, the relationship between players from the so-called Big Six, or I should say Man United, um, Liverpool mainly, <laughs> um, <laughs> was a great. So he, he's helped that. You see them, you see them in, in camps now. You see them all friends. There's obviously some old school players that will be livid when they see that but <laughs> but I think it helps for the team right? it helps for the team it obviously helps Spain because Spain used to have that issue with Barcelona and Real Madrid players um, and once they got got rid of that and nonsense yeah. they um they started winning things so but yeah we're, we're just going to have to wait and see we're going to have to wait and see the, obviously it being most of the matches being played I think well a lot of England's matches are all played in England aren't they or something like that so they have a they have the home advantage, so let's see what they can do with it. For sure, for sure. Um, Wales, where do you think realistically? Where you know where do you think Wales can? Uh, what round do you think they can reach? Oh, oh that's an interesting, that's interesting one. You know, one, isn't it? it's not been on my radar to even think that they would. I mean, yeah, I. I, I couldn't tell you. I've got no idea. It just it it all. I have no idea. I think it all kind of depends um, what Gareth Bell we see. <laughs> yeah. Literally. So um, yeah. I, d- I don't know. I don't know with Wales. I really don't know. The home nations. I'm. I'm I think the Scot- Scotland have got. Um, I doing all right. So I'm. More, I'm probably more interested to know how Scotland are going to do. Um, They've got yeah, some good young players yeah, yeah. Um, they've got two yeah. quality left backs. I don't even know how they play them. I don't know what they do because obviously they've got Tierney and um, 
and Robertson. Mm. Um, the Dutch, you mentioned the Dutch, mm. um, Rachel. I don't know about them mm-hmm. because since since they changed manager, they've been a disaster. So I don't know. I don't know. They're not. They're... Have you seen them in their friendlies? Yeah. Have you seen any of their friendlies? Yeah, they, they drew the other day, didn't they? Um, who did they draw with again? They drew the other day, but they're not. They're not as good as they were when they had Cumin mm. as their manager. There's, they're definitely no. so yeah. I'm not sure about them. Well, I'm. I'll be definitely watching to see. Anyway, I think I've been following them for many years, so it's definitely something that I definitely want to make sure that I'm keeping an eye on. But yeah, I don't know about about them. So see, um, definitely be watching Scotland. Um, they seem quite confident. Wales, I couldn't tell you. What do you both think about mm. Italy? Oh, that was we haven't mentioned Italy, have we? We haven't. Um... Nah, I don't. I think I think Italy. I think because um, I grew up watching Italian football. Like one, what I loved about Italy is that they will just shut up shop, but they can't do that anymore. And I know everyone talks about the game has changed, and yeah, it has. But I think Italy, because of that, they kind of lost lost. You know the the essence, their essence. You know they were very very robust. You know very good defensively. And they still are, but they're just not as strong as they were, you know, in the eighties and nineties and yeah, um, that, the that, early noughties. So mindset, it might get, it might win you a game or two, but <laughs> a tournament is a lot. It's a lot more harder now because most teams want to play on the front foot. Fans yeah. want to see attacking football. No one wants to see defensive football. Yeah. Um, mm. So no. it's it's mm. kind of like left them in the in a position where they've had to regroup and start again because the old the old school way mm. is not the way forward. So you mentioned about obviously the attacking side of things, mm. right? Yeah. So then go back to Southgate now, mm. yeah. right? Is that maybe yeah. what his mindset was? To be focusing on the attack? Um, I don't know because he, he always likes to play two defensive midfielders. So I don't know what he's trying to do. Um, I don't know, and I've, the last time I saw England play really, really, really well is when they beat Spain in Spain. Yeah. That's the last time. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> I mean, how many years ago was that? That was a good that's, couple. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did. But I think it's because they played with freedom, though, didn't they? They played with, uh, yeah, there was, they, they were a lot more free then. Um, but I think that's a problem, you know. That, that's, and I think that's something that I guess in the future, I would really like to bring somebody on that's, you know, we would like to bring somebody on because I just feel like, I think there's a big, uh, I don't know, there's almost like a dark spirit in England. Like, it just seems like a lot of the players, they just cannot um, transition onto the international scene. So their club form never transcends internationally. And I just, I just, I don't know why. And this has been going on for a lot longer than a decade. You know, you have this, you have one or two players that are able to do it. Falls down to pressure and mindset and your environment. I think you have to be in the right environment to, to perform your best. A lot of people do. Some, some don't, but a lot of people have to, everything has to be right. And if something is not quite the same as it is in, cl- in club football, then it can have a it can have an impact. You, I've, we've heard stories about how it was 
in two was it 2006 when the players wouldn't even weren't able to see their family and stuff like that with Capello. Was it 2006? No, that wasn't Capello. Capello was a lot later. Yeah, um, they weren't able to see their their mm. their family, and it's not it's not that kind of kind of has an impact on on the football. So I don't know, man. It's it's always tricky when you talk about England. I also feel like when they play, as much as they might be on form in their cl- mm. in their actual club, they play separately in the sense that not, no, they, they don't, don't gel. You know, it, it's, it's having that Sterling, for example, you know, being a top striker, but at the same time relying on somebody who's up front with him that he's never really played in another club. That's, again, wanting mm-hmm. that fame, that hunger, that the hogging of the ball or whatever. It, you're right. There is some sort of dark area with that team that they don't seem to gel. Separately, you can see why some of the players are picked. But working collectively together, it sometimes doesn't work. Are you, that's the problem that 100%. I see. Because I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting because we've we like the best player that's played for England in the last say year since he started playing for England has been Grealish. But I just I don't know how they're going to yeah. make it work with all the players that they have. How do you? I think he has to start. But then who are you going to not play? It depends on the formation, isn't it? So, what's everyone's formation? So, are you going to have three up top? But Grealish, best position. <laughs> well, three of them. Grealish, best position is coming off the left. Sterling's best position is coming off the left. Foden's best position is coming off the left. It doesn't work. <laughs> you can't fit all of them there. So, something's got to give. And I don't know what. Um, well, if we're looking on form, Sterling is not really in the equation. So then you have to choose out of Grealish and Foden. And for me, it has to be Grealish because if we're talking about who's been England's best player, we're not talking about club level. We're talking about who's been England's um, best player. And, you know, we've all agreed that um, a lot of the players, they, you know, their their club form doesn't transcend in, internationally. So yeah, Grealish has to start putting on the left. Um, Sancho on the right. Kane up top. (laughs) Sounds easy, doesn't it? But it's it's not. The the team is very top heavy. It's just, yeah, up front is is quite, it's it's, it's very difficult. But when you look at the back, it's not quite the same. So it's going to be very, it's going to be very interesting um, how it works out. Um, Yeah. I just, I just, I can't wait for it to start actually. So we can, not talk about what's going on at club level anymore. <laughs> yeah, club level. Let's get into that. Come on, let's get into that. Rachel, summarise Liverpool season. <sighs> injuries, 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 injuries. No, I mean, mm. it was last, I mean, from the season before, we thought that this season was going to be, I suppose, a continuation. Um. And then it hit from that from the start of the season to December, and just things just went splat. Mm. Um, you know, it was evident that Virgil we were missing. You know, Henderson. We had you know so many different players that just out of of of, of the game that affected us. Mm. 
Mm. Um, I was surprised that we actually finished in top four. Mm-hmm. But it had to take for us to fight in order for us to get there in the first place. Um, I didn't see Virgil coming back this season. I know we asked, I was in lots of talks with a lot of people saying, well, you know, he's going to come back. But I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, Liverpool, you know, we scraped it. You know, it was nice to see that we made the top four. But coming back from the previous season, it wasn't nice to see of us actually trying to struggle and also Man United finishing above us as well. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, I think what, even though Liverpool had a terrible season, the end kind of shows how the mindset of the club and the players are. The, mani- the fact they managed oh. to rescue the season at the end and never give up. I rate that because you look at the club that we support and it wasn't quite the same. Oh, yeah, Spurs, both of you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I think <laughs> Liverpool and Spurs are downfall started at the same time, but then you managed to rescue your season, and we just carried on <laughs> that downward spiral <laughs> of descent. Yeah, it's true. I echo what Edwin said. Do you know what Klopp just he just deserves praise because um he did this at Dortmund. Yeah. Do remember yeah. when Dortmund were in the relegation yeah. zone? Oh. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, and I think that same season, they got to the Champions League final. Although, you know, albeit they lost to Bayern, but they got to the Champions League final and then he got them out of that dog house um, at the bottom. And yeah, this guy, the, the guy, he's just got different minerals in him, you know, and a lot of people can learn from him I know Pep gets a lot of plaudits for his tiki taka beautiful exotic football but I think Klopp um, deserves to be um, spoken about um, maybe not in the a, in a, in a same vein but definitely he needs to be praised um, highly because Klopp is is, is, is is different gravy definitely different gravy yeah I agree um, not being biased but I love the way that he he support his players, you know. Um, his interviews are always about supporting them, but, you know, also putting his hands up. Um, I've often <laughs> seen Mourinho doing very different things. <laughs> you know, often happy to blame players um, for their performance and not taking kind of responsibility or leading it. But, um, again, not attacking Mourinho, but going back to Klopp, um, He's just always got that spark um, when it comes to knowing that even though we're down, that we've got that fighting force going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think they're going to challenge next season? I would like to hope so. I mean, you know, we're looking at, we've bought players, player, we've, you know, we're looking at some others as well to try and enforce our team and stuff. So I feel like Klopp isn't going to let us sit back yeah especially knowing fully well what we've had to do this season. And on the back of the previous season, he's, yeah, he's going to want us to get up there and start off, you know, fighting the start anyway. So, yeah, I do believe that they're going to do well. Uh, What about about Spurs? I don't know. What's your thoughts? I honestly don't know. I just want to not think about them this summer. I was even saying to Nathan that we're in a Spurs group. That group's on mute because... I don't need to hear anything about Spurs right now. It's just, it ruins your day. <laughs> I don't know. 
I've got I don't know where we're coming next season. Um I think in terms of the the top four, I think Liverpool, Chelsea and Man City will run away and whoever comes fourth, I don't know. Probably United, but I think um but I think the best thing that happened to us was when Conte decided not to come to us. And I think it was a big wake up call for a lot of Spurs fans because I still think a lot of Spurs fans still had this hope and um, almost um, we're almost living in our um, yeah um, and I say almost living in a bubble because I don't think some Spurs fans know just how deep rooted um, the problem is we've got a lot of players who need to be moved on um, in excess of 10 players that need to be moved on we have one of the most prolific English strikers of all time who is 28 years old and hasn't won anything. Um, he, he has not been utilised and now he wants to leave. Um, yeah, so Kane, Kane is underused. And yeah, we had a, a manager that I wouldn't go as far as saying he was a dinosaur, but definitely was on a downward spiral and we took a risk because he is a serial winner, but you know, things have changed. The game has changed. Um, when he was, you know, the most successful or where he was, uh, mostly successful, that was a generation ago. So yeah, things, things have changed and we took a gamble, paid him big wages and it didn't pan out. I think, Early stages looked all right. Looked like he has stabilised us. I think at the start of this season, it looked all right. But I don't even blame Mourinho, to be honest. I'd, you I, know. I, I don't blame him. I Yes, the football was absolutely diabolical. But I feel like if we had the type of players that he wants, he can still win stuff. I just don't think Spurs is the club for him because we can't provide him the type of players he wants. The type of players you want as well, there's not many of them like that anymore. Mm. People have changed and society has changed. So he he can't he can't do things that he was doing ten years ago and expect to get the same results, um, especially in England. Um he might he might do well in Italy. Um I don't think he's finished. I just think he just needs to 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 assess um that's how he's doing things. Um, I don't. I don't think he's finished. I don't think you can be that good and just become trash. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah. What do you think, Rachel? Um, I don't feel like he's finished. However, his mindset. I, uh, I have a love hate relationship with this guy, and <laughs> the reason why I say that is because. Everything that he's done has worked in the past. You know, the records speak for mm. itself, right? But in terms of his mindset where he comes across so arrogant about things, it's very difficult to feel like nowadays it will work. You know, um, I don't know how much of um, a leeway he had with it coming to discussing about buying players, because again, that would be my question to you guys. What is the problem with Spurs in the sense of 
wanting to dish out money. Like, what is it? What is Levy doing? Like, what's the mind? That's what my problem would be. My question would be towards Mourinho and what challenges he may have faced there. Um, but ultimately, I feel like with Mourinho, he needs to find a club that will be able to adapt to his ways of his thinking. I just feel like now he just needs to kind of tame it down in the terms of how he comes across and how he tries to, you know, his expectations of players. You know, he's quite, quite hard, harsh on them sometimes. And it's like, OK, well, what's it like in training? Like, how, 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 does, how does that, you know, how does that work? Yeah, it's um, his methods um, in terms of trying to get the best out of some players. It doesn't seem to work anymore because, yeah, there's there's certain players at that club who have got worse. (laughs) So, and I don't think it's ability. I I don't actually think it's ability. I think it's to do in the mind. I I don't know. And in terms of Spurs in general, we, we, me and Nathan supported Spurs how many years? And we, oh, yeah. Mm. We supported them in the 90s when they were terrible. <laughs> in the 90s, they still won stuff. Mm. We haven't won anything since when? 2008. So we've won one trophy in how many years? I think Enoch, I think Enoch has have been with us for about 20, 21 years. So obviously the mindset of the ownership is the problem because how can we be a terrible team that still won trophies occasionally to a team that we've had a a fairly decent team in the past 20 years and we've won absolutely nothing. I think um, this is where a lot of Spurs fans are divided because if we go back to the nineties, we go back to early noughties we were terrible and we don't need to mention certain players because I don't think that's fair. But if you, if you look from the early noughties to now, there's been progression. We've got um, a massive new stadium. We are regularly in Europe. Um, we, were, we have been fighting for top four. So if you look at it from that basic trajectory, there's been progress, but my problem is I'm not, I'm so sorry. And I don't mean this in a derogatory way. I don't deal with basics, metrics, basic metrics. And in this instance, all it does is it just hides and masks some of the mistakes my club um, have made. For example, Potch, when he said we need to reinvest, we didn't invest. And I'm not trying to hear about the stadium. I'm not, I'm not really trying to hear about the stadium because there's other ways, there's other ways, you know, there are loan systems, you know, there are, there are hidden gems. So then we'd have to talk about the recruitment system. You see, the problem I have with, with some Spurs fans is they're very, very cautious when trying to criticize the board. Now, this is, this is not about anti-Levy brigade like yes he him and Enoch have brought something positive to the club but it's okay that's what critique is isn't it positive and negative it's okay to say they've made mistakes so get off your high horse some Spurs fans and just (laughs) be honest with yourself 
and just <laughs> criticize Levy, it's all right. Like some of you, honestly, honestly, um, what do they call it nowadays? Fanboys. Honestly, some of you sound Spurs fans sound like Levy fanboys. Stop talking to me about the stadium. I know the stadium. I've been to the stadium. It's one of the best stadiums I've ever been to. Do you understand? But it's okay to say, yeah, he's made a few mistakes and he didn't invest. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's move on now. Yeah, man, I don't want to watch. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't. Um, Rachel, you see, um, you had questions for us, so yeah, let's do this because I can't with Spurs. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Guys, you have been doing amazingly well on this podcast, and I am forever more grateful that you have allowed me to come on your platform. But you know. You've heard, you've been the one who's been asking the questions sitting back. And I wanted to ask you guys a few questions. So first and foremost, um, Nathan, and also to Edwin as well. What made you start this podcast? Um, so there is a sports performance coach called Trevor Moad, and he's, he's well known in America. So I was, I'm a, I, I watch a lot of podcasts, so I was watching one day Impact Theory and Trevor Moad was on Impact Theory and the host is Tom Bilyeu. And he was just saying a lot of stuff about the mind and he was giving some really, really good examples of people who are kind of um, said things um in passing and it's actually happened. So I don't really want to call it because I'm mm -hmm. wrong in case I get it wrong, but yeah, I would really want you lot, anyone listening, you should watch Trevor Moad on Impact Fury. And it's only about 35 minutes, but the things that he says, it really just got me, it triggered me. It really, really triggered me. And I think at equally, Edwin and I, we've had discussions about mental health, um, but we felt that mental health is too delicate and we were probably not the best people to just talk about it. Um, just about mental health, but we're very much um, interested in the mindset. And I guess tennis has brought us together, looking at Novak and um, Nadal and watching their crazy, crazy <laughs> matches. Um, so I think that, I think just wanting to explore the mindset and equally i think trevor moad so he, yeah he was he's basically yeah he was basically the individual that helped me start a podcast i think for myself okay. it was more to, it was kind of the podcast idea kind of came during lockdown so before lockdown we were going um we were trying to work with athletes um in terms of trying to help them uh, when it came to their mindset and having the right mindset. Um, I sp spoke to Nathan about this because I've, from like my background from when I was younger in athletics, I felt that if there was something that I could go back and change, it was my mindset. So I know that there's other people out there who have, have that, those issues. And that's why we started Mind Talks in the first place. Um, and then obviously lockdown came and then we couldn't okay. get out there. So I thought, <laughs> well, 
why don't we why don't we start a podcast why don't we try and get people who have their stories because we're not the only ones that have stories that can tell their stories to help others who may be going through the same stuff so it could be anyone from any level anyone um it could be elite athlete non-elite athlete people who didn't even make it to to that type of level everyone has a story and those stories can help the younger generation come through instead of making those mistakes themselves they will see they will hear the stories that we are um putting out there um to help them to not make those mistakes so yeah that was that was why i um i wanted to start the podcast with nathan okay well it's doing so well i mean i listened to it so and i feel like it's 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 opened my mind a lot of things you know of the pressure that everyone has experienced in the different fields that they are in um so another question to you guys would be if you could be an athlete or of any sort of sports person who would what would you do it would probably be tennis um i think tennis is something that i wish i played when i was younger i really really wish because i think i would have been good i honestly think i would have been good but um Unfortunately, I didn't get that chance. I didn't play tennis until I was in my twenties. So, I yeah, for me, it would probably be tennis. So yeah, I lo- everyone knows I love I love football and I love athletics. Um, but yeah, it would be tennis. Tennis is tennis is the sport that if the person I support loses, it can ruin my day. <laughs> probably more than football, <laughs> it can ruin my day. So. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's definitely be tennis. <laughs> um, mine's controversial. Controversial for me internally because I know about the damage that it does in the long term, but it would probably be boxing. The reason why it'd be boxing is because I had a lot of anger when I was younger and I feel like boxing would have been a really good avenue to kind of channel my anger, but also just help me become a little bit more disciplined and I really, really, really love, love boxing. I got into it very late. I got into it 2007. Um, I remember I was over in America and that was when Floyd was fighting Ricky Hatton. And obviously I was looking forward to just watching um, Ricky Hatton, the British guy, beat Floyd. And I just saw Floyd just, <laughs> it just, it was just, it was just a genius. It was a genius in play. And, um, the first four or five rounds, Ricky, if it wasn't, listen, let's be honest. Anyone, you lot need to rewatch that match here. I'm a massive Floyd fan, but Cortez, the ref, oh my goodness, he was helping Floyd so much. Every time Ricky was just trying to, you know, um, you know, um, open up on the inside, straight away, Cortez will come in, break it, break it up. And I feel like that really kind of mars or marred one of Floyd's greatness because I feel like maybe that's a bit much of a statement. I think that marred an element of Floyd's greatness because I think Floyd regardless would have won. And I feel like Cortez stopped Floyd from showing just how great he is because Ricky Hatton was putting so much pressure on him, but Cortez stopped that. So yeah. And if I was to be any sports star, it would be Floyd because he's just great. And the best thing that I hear about Floyd is Floyd will go to a club and he won't drink, he won't do nothing, and then he will go jogging with his team. 
that that is just the best straight after straight after being in the club he will go jogging with his team after i mean the guys the guy is just great man it's dedication mm. dedication it is so what was your thoughts about last weekend then? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous. Um, I think we have to be really, really, really careful. I think Floyd fighting someone that's so much heavier than him, I guess it evens it out. But I think if we're looking at, you, you know, he was, I can't remember what Logan Paul was. I think he was at cruiserweight level. Mm. So that would be him, you know, equating him to fight and saying like a Lawrence O'Colley. Anyone that knows Lawrence O'Colley, if Lawrence O'Colley, Lawrence O'Colley is one of the hardest hitters in the cruiserweight. If Lawrence O'Colley hit Logan Paul, Logan Paul's going to have brain damage. Or if not brain damage, he will be severely, severely hurt because he's not used to that. He's not used to that, that intense training. His body, he hasn't got his body used to getting hit like that. So I think it's very dangerous and we have to be very careful who we put people in the ring with each other. I think YouTube stars, if they want to do it and make money, yeah, but I think if we're trying to do like crossovers like that, now you have to be careful, man. I think though with the crossovers, if there's anyone that you're going to want to do it with is Floyd because I feel like Floyd will do... Floyd won't knock them out. Floyd, <laughs> Floyd will just do what he's got to do, get his money and go home. Like... <laughs> He, he knows. He knows how dangerous it is. So yeah. Floyd didn't even try to knock him out. Tro- Floyd was just like, let's just leave this boy, let him make mm. his money, and I'll go home. Mm. If that was Tyson, that would be another thing. So, <laughs> so I, I think Floyd is the best person if you're going to have yeah. those exhibitions. I don't think, I think the whole exhibition thing is a bit stupid, but you know what? YouTubers, they want to make their money. So like, kudos to them. But it, it is dangerous. and. Yeah, you have to be very careful who it's with. Mm. Okay. So, again, going back to asking you guys questions, um, out of all the episodes that you guys have covered so far, what would you say has been your most inspirational mm. one to the oh, message that you guys are trying to deliver on this podcast? Yeah, LaShawn's one was, was, was magical, man. LaShawn's one was, was deep. Um, she, man, she's, she's just, she had so many quotes that people really should, um, go back and listen to. Um, and I think she just, she's just got the full package, you know, she's got that voice, that very soothing voice. Um, she's very articulate. She's very intelligent. Um, she, yeah, her one was, I think people will probably get the most from that but for me personally um i'll tell you one thing what one at one I can't, maybe i won't be able to say one person but one thing that i really um that really stood out for me was tiffany McReynolds. shout out to tiffany tiffany said that one of the core ingredients is having like short-term memory so just being able to forget things yeah. So if you make a mistake, just forget about it. If you do well, okay, good. Praise yourself. Forget about it. That for me stood out. That really, really stood out because one thing that someone else, uh, a, um, a future guest, we've already recorded, but a future guest, he said the same thing. He said something similar, but then I think he went a bit further. So this future guest said that you're going to be losing more times than you're going to be winning. 
And you need to be able to get over that. And I think that's what Tiffany started off. I think that was the start. And that's why I saw that so, um, so much for me, because you ain't always going to be winning. And just being able to say, do you know what? I didn't perform today. Do you know what? I got beat by the better person today. Do you know what? We lost to a better team. Get over it. Tomorrow's a new day. I think that's so important. So yeah, shout out to Tiffany McReynolds. Hopefully you can um, get your British accent on point. (laughs) (laughs) She was trying. She's been saying she's been trying. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, that that quote stood out to me as well. There's been been a lot. We've had, I think all the guests we've had on have been, have been a benefit to our listeners. And yeah, they've all, they've all had the, um, their pluses. There's things that they've brought. Um, Ivy Watts um, episode Ooh. was great. Um, that was a great episode. Her story. Mm. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's quite inspirational. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been, there's been loads and, like Nathan said, there's there's few to come out as well, which have been quite inspirational as well. And it kind of shows you that everyone is going through different things and everyone has different stories. Um, and with all the different s- stories that everyone has, it can help somebody, the variety. Um, so I think that's that's what I've loved about it, is that yeah. not every not everyone has had the same answer to the questions that we've had they've all had different answers and different stories and ups and downs and yeah i i just hope that by what what we're doing it actually will help people um in preparation for not even just in sport but some of the stuff that we hear can help in life in general yeah i agree with that definitely especially not having a sports background it's it's definitely something the messages that I have come from the, those the actual episodes has allowed me to think about it in reality, in mm. my own everyday living. Um, and it's benefited me. So definitely, I agree with that. Okay. Um, I'll ask you one more last question. So if, you're, if, you were, if you had your younger self in front of you, what would you say, what advice would you give to them Based on the fact that, Edwin, you said about your mindset, if that would be something that you would change, what would you um, change? What probably would you say be to more your younger self today. In terms of my decisions, I would say be more confident with the decisions I make and follow my instincts a bit, instincts a bit more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that was probably the weakest part of me. I, I, I always wanted to make everyone happy. So. I think I should have just focused more on myself when I was younger. Um, I think for me, it would be um, probably take six months out and explore the mindset and do your research. And I guarantee it will change you. If six months is too long, then do three months. I'd probably give them, you know, I'll give myself some pointers some so I'd probably signpost a few people. So um I'm trying to think who did I really start listening to with regard to mine. So uh, yeah, a lot of psychologists, but I've, um so Dr. Joe Dispenser, but he's not in sport. He's not sports psychology, but I think he was the first person that really um exposed me to how powerful 
um, the mind is. And then in terms of um, something closer to, you know, to what we do, do you know what? I'll quote them, you know, probably Dr. KJ, man. Dr. KJ, man, she's underrated. Like Dr. KJ is, man, that would, I would definitely, I would definitely say after those three months, then probably, probably work with Dr. KJ. Um, oh, we had another one. Uh, she lives in, I think, Ireland. Well, Annika. Annika. Annika is another one. So Annika, she does something. She was, she did equestrian, but Annika is, Annika so up my street because she's very technical. She's very into the science and Edwin knows I like all of that stuff. So my, my I would probably, after I've learned about how powerful the mind is, I would probably say to my younger self, either contact Dr. KJ or Annika to help you um, just get to the um, next level. Thank you for your questions, Rachel. It's been, okay. it's been strange being asked questions Thank instead you. of asking the questions. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's more strange? Ed, you're going you're gonna to do the closing <laughs> words. Me? I'm going to yeah. do the closing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna. That's even more strange. Well, well, guys. <laughs> well, guys, I wasn't prepared for this, but thank you again to be, for listening to our podcast. Um, like, subscribe, and until next time, see you later. Bye bye. Bye bye.